Hey there, guys. It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us as we recap week six in the Big 12. We're on Periscope. We're on Facebook Live. We're going to go to YouTube, the podcast, everything. We appreciate it. By the way, if you listen to the podcast, please do rate, review, or subscribe. We appreciate that. And if you email me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, you will get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a good deal. You get it for free. I'll put it in the mail for you. All you have to do is give us a rating and a review on iTunes. So I appreciate that because the podcast has really taken off. So thanks so much for joining us, guys. As we look back on uh, week six in the Big 12 Conference, and I guess we got to start with that Red River shootout, right? Uh, What a game that was. And I wrote about this on the website yesterday. I think Texas is back. You know, OU fans don't want to admit it. A lot of Big 12 fans don't want to admit it. First off, it's good for the conference if Texas is back. It is very good for the conference, and here's why. Anytime your flagship programs are doing really well, the conference is better off. And let me mention this as well. We're brought to you by betnow.eu. I'm placing my Big 12 bets there. Went 2-2 two and two yesterday. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up bonus. I appreciate you guys doing that. It helps keep us going. And uh, so if you're going to place a Big 12 bet or an NFL bet, go to betnow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND when you deposit. It helps us out a lot. So thank you for that. And, yes, please go uh, check out the Feinbaum shirt at heartlandcollegesports.com. You can pick him up there because he's a tool. All right, so Texas, I think they're back, and here's why. This is not one win. This is not one game. This is now six weeks into the season. Texas has beaten three top 25 teams. And that is what we need to be looking at for this team and for this program. You know, in 2015, when Texas beat Oklahoma, that was a total uh, surprise. Texas was, I think, one in three or one in four at that point. They had not beaten anybody outside of Rice. This is completely different. It's a totally different atmosphere and a totally different ball game yesterday with this Texas squad that was ranked in the top 20 for the first time against Oklahoma since 2012, that both teams were in the top 25 when they played. So that was big in and of itself. Then they go out there, they get this 48 to 45 win. They hang with the Sooners, which was just darn impressive. And when you look at what Sam Ellinger did yesterday, my goodness. Now, partially, you can get on Mike Stoops in the OU defense, and it was horrific. I mean, it was terrible watching Mike Stoops' defense yesterday. At some point, he has got to get some flack. And I saw some media people saying, well, kudos to Mike Stoops for answering questions for 15 minutes yesterday. Kudos to Mike Stoops. The guy has been out to lunch, and if his brother wasn't Bob Stoops, he would have been fired years ago. All right, let's stop with the kudos to Mike Stoops stuff. He's making a million dollars a year, and he can't coach defense when he's got more five-star guys and four-star guys on that side of the ball than the offense does. No more kudos, Mike Stoops, for answering tough questions when he's a million-dollar-a-year coordinator and he can't coach his guys up. I'm sorry. That's that's No more kudos to Mike Stoops. We're not going to do that anymore, okay? Uh, this defense got absolutely torched. They gave up what, 500 yards of offense yesterday. It was embarrassing. And hearing from you on Periscope, join the conversation there. Texas dominated Oklahoma for 50 minutes, got too conservative in the fourth quarter. That is true. If Texas had gone on to lose this game, I mean, forget it. Tom Herman would have been destroyed for the conservative play calling when they were up by 21 points. Uh, And that would have been rightfully, you can still criticize him for that, even though they got the win. So there's no doubt about it that you look at that game and how it finished, 
scary for Texas. You take the win, you run with it, you use it, you like it. You're going to be ranked in the top 15, pushing the top 10 this week. You hope you keep that momentum going, right? That's the biggest thing for Texas. Keep the momentum going. Tom Herman is really good as an underdog. I saw yesterday, he's 12-4 and four as an underdog as a head coach. He's like, uh, I don't know, 15-1 against the spread as an underdog. He's got ridiculous numbers. Problem is, Texas can go up and put up a stinker, you know, in two weeks against... Uh, Baylor or somebody like that, whoever they're playing coming up, that they should be rolling all over. That's the problem for Texas. They play up the competition, but they also play down the competition. And how about Todd Orlando? This guy has Lincoln Riley's number. There's there's no other way to put it. They Tom Herman and Todd Orlando were the head coach and defensive coordinator at Houston two years ago when Houston beat OU in the season opener. Last year, they lost by five points, but they held OU to 29 points. And they beat them yesterday. And I know OU went off in that fourth quarter, and I realized that, you know, the OU offense was not the problem. But still, in that first half, in that third quarter, it was Todd Orlando who was giving a decent amount of trouble to that explosive Oklahoma offense, and they do deserve a a lot of credit for that. So I think Texas is back. This is not a one-win Um, you know, one game type of situation. They've done a really good job this season. Three top 25 wins. That Maryland loss still kills you. I just, it really hurts, but still, they deserve a lot of credit and uh, they should be getting all the praise. They deserve it right now. As for OU, as for the Sooners team, if they go undefeated the rest of the way, they can still make the college football playoff. I mean, this happened to them in 2015. They lost to Texas, ran the table, made the playoff, and that was without a Big 12 championship game. So there's no reason to think they can't do it again. But obviously, there's no room for error. They can't lose another game. They have to win the Big 12 championship, and that they they have to take care of business to have any shot of making the college football playoff this year. You saw Kyler Murray yesterday. He was crying after the game. You feel for the guy. It wasn't his fault. It was the defense's fault. Texas's offense has been improving, and it's why I thought Texas would cover the spread of seven and a half but not win. Texas's offense is improving. The offensive line is getting better by the week. But the amount of push that the Texas offensive line got yesterday, I mean, they looked like it was a bunch of pro bowlers in the NFL playing a bunch of high school kids at times. That's how bad it was. I just I could not believe the push that despite the amount of talent that Oklahoma has at linebacker, the five-star guys all over the field, they were getting pushed all over the place. And it was just it was unbelievable to watch. So Texas deserves credit. I mean, Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey are the real deal. Uh, those guys are possibly the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the Big 12. You can make an argument for Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb, but those two and Parnell Motley's getting picked on all over the place. When is Mike Stoops going to sit Parnell Motley? I, the guy cannot get out of his own way. I'm sorry. So there you have the recap of the Red River rivalry. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Check out the Paul Feinbaum shirts on our website. Go pick them up. Go to heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on the shop at the top, and you can pick those up there for like 20 bucks. So uh, go do that. We appreciate that as well. And also betnow.eu, promo code HEARTLAND, a 100% sign-up bonus. That helps us out a lot. We're placing our Big 12 bets there. West Virginia and Kansas. You know, those three interceptions by Will Greer bothered the heck out of me. They bothered the heck out of me. First off, because I had West Virginia minus 27 and a half points. And the Mountaineers could have been up 42-0 at halftime. 
that's what should have been the case for West Virginia yesterday. They should have been up literally 42-0. They were up 21-7. Kansas only scored off of one of the turnovers for West Virginia. And the other, all three turnovers were inside the red zone. Two of them were inside the six-yard line. Will, this is a couple of things. First off, Will Greer has got to be smarter with the football. He can't be trying to squeeze it in the double coverage when you're at the five-yard line and you've been moving the ball at ease. Secondly, I think Jake Spavadol deserves a little bit of criticism for this for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, he ran, I think it was the second or the third interception. He goes pass, run, pass. I don't know why you're at the two-yard line and not just trying to pound the ball in on first down and then on second down. And then if you have to, you pass it on third down. And also when he passed the ball, it was not going to the corner of the end zone where West Virginia can use its skill and its speed. You were trying to squeeze it into tight corners on slant routes from five yards out. I did not understand that play calling one bit. It didn't make any sense to me. And as good as West Virginia is, and I think they can play with anybody in the Big 12, with that offense, with the talented wide receiver, with the improving skill positions on the defensive side of the ball as well, they have not played a complete game yet. And every game you can look at a couple of things and say, that bothers you, that concerns you, that worries you. You can say that about West Virginia. And Dana Holgerson said yesterday, hey, you know what? This is uh, you know, just getting a win and moving on. A sloppy win. I'll take a sloppy win. It's like, Dana, you've had a couple of these sloppy wins, and I know you're undefeated, but your schedule has been garbage so far. Because of that NC State game getting canceled, I mean, West Virginia has played nobody. And, you know, the schedule is going to toughen up. they got to go to Ames next week. The back end is obviously Texas, TCU, Oklahoma. At some point, Dana Holgerson can't just sit here and tell me a win's a win. At some point, you got to say, I'm bothered, I'm concerned by some of the things I'm seeing, and we got to clean it up. Um, you know, Kansas fans getting on me yesterday and they're saying, hey, you know, how about you just give us some credit? No, you guys allowed the ball to move up and down the field at ease yesterday between the 20s. You got lucky on a couple of those interceptions because of poor decision making by Will Greer and poor play calling by Jake Spavadol. So I'm sorry, I'm not giving Kansas a lot of credit for that yesterday. I'm not. And that's not meant to be a knock on Kansas. It's just meant to be, I think, honest analysis of what the Jayhawks are, which is still a bad football team. It is. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you watched that Notre Dame-Virginia uh, Tech game last night. Ryan Willis was playing quarterback, the former KU uh, quarterback. And Kirk Herbstreit took a little dig at the Jayhawks where Chris Fowler said, you know, Ryan Willis was told by uh, David Beatty that you're not what we're looking for in a quarterback. And then Kirk Herbstreit says, well, Chris, what is Kansas looking for in a quarterback? And I thought that was a fair question. I thought it was a very, very fair question. So... You know, Jayhawks, not very good. Uh, they got their two wins. I don't see how they win any other game this season. Maybe they can give K-State some trouble, but even K-State, for all its woes, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, K-State is proven to be, I think, a, a better team than Kansas. I really do. Uh, Curtis writes, you'll see the real talent WVU has with the backloaded schedule. I'm not sure what you mean by that, Curtis. I, I don't know if that's meant to be sarcastic or not. I mean, the reality is they – if you're going to tell me that West Virginia hasn't played that well so far because uh, they haven't played anybody and they you know, aren't necessarily given 100%, well, that's a, that's a problem. I mean, you're six weeks into the season. You got a second bye out of it thanks to NC State. You're in Ames this weekend. Then you have another bye week. 
at some point you got to put together a complete game and uh, Dana Holgerson's team has not done that yet and they deserve some flack for that. So I, I, I you know, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but it's, it's slightly concerning for a team that wants to win a Big 12 championship. If you told me that West Virginia is looking to win nine games this year, then I'd say, okay, they're fine. They'll do that. But if this team wants to play in AT&T Stadium in week one of December and then potentially compete for a college football playoff, well, uh, it's not looking like that team right now. Hearing from you on Periscope, join the conversation there. We're also on Facebook Live, and we'll put this on YouTube and on iTunes. So on Periscope, uh, Stephen writing, how does ISU playing Purdy change the outlook for the offense the rest of the year changes everything we have not gotten iowa state yet let's get into it here that was pretty purdy yesterday yeah okay cheesy line i get it but i had to use it i had to use it because that kid was damn good think about this year for the big 12 right we we think about the true freshman quarterback we think of uh maybe spencer sanders at oklahoma state maybe uh, Justin Rogers at TCU, uh, Bohannon at Baylor. You know, when Brock Purdy committed, I remember that day because he picked Iowa State over Texas A&M. And he was a three-star guy, but a lot of people thought he was a high-end three-star guy out of Arizona. No one thought he was going to play this year. Kyle Kemp was coming back, six-year of eligibility. Um, you know, you had Zeb Noland, who had gotten some playing time last season. He was going to be the backup. Purdy was probably going to sit. Well, it's funny how it works sometimes in college football. Purdy came in yesterday after a three and out to start the game. He had his own three and out, and then he absolutely lit the Oklahoma State offense or defense up. He was exactly what Iowa State needs right now because the offensive line has a few problems, and his dual threat ability gives Iowa State an element that this offense just has not had the last couple of weeks. And it was beautiful to watch. But it wasn't just the fact that he was able to have a dual threat ability. It's the fact that when he's doing those run pass options, I mean, he was selling the hell out of those things. And then he was pump faking in the flat and throwing the ball down to the corner of the end zone. I mean, it was it was impressive. This was like watching a, a 10-year NFL pro do this. That's how good Brock Purdy looked yesterday. And I was so impressed with him. I'm not shocked that you've been hearing a lot of rumblings about him within the program and potentially being the guy to take over the offense. You know, Zeb Nolan's a nice player, but he's a mobile back there. And behind this offensive line, you need somebody that can give you the threat of running the ball. And Brock Purdy can do it. So I think it's Purdy time and Ames going forward. And when Kyle Kemp's comes back, I would be hesitant to go back to Kemp behind this offensive line. I'm not saying you don't do it. I realize he's earned the right to get his job back, but I think Brock Purdy might have just Wally pipped him there. I think it might have just happened. I don't know how you don't ride this hot freshman hand right now and just see what he's got. Because remember, too, you can play him in four games, and then you could redshirt him. So if he starts to come back to the mean a little bit as a true freshman, doesn't look like he's totally got it, then you can always sit him, redshirt him, and then he's a redshirt freshman next year if you really want to do that, if you're Matt Campbell. But he gave that team and that offense the spark that it's been missing all season long since Kyle Kemp went down against Iowa, and it was a beautiful sight to see. So join us on Periscope, chime in on Facebook Live as well. We appreciate that. But I think that Brock Purdy changes the entire outlook of this Iowa State season for the better. Um, As for Oklahoma State, that offensive line stinks. 100 yards and penalties. Uh, and I think that this is a problem that 
was there last year for Oklahoma State that was masked by Mason Rudolph and James Washington and the deep threat ability that those guys had. Where Mason Rudolph could stand back there, heave it 40 yards downfield, James Washington or Marcel Aitman or anybody else could go up for the jump ball, haul it in, and no one thought twice about it. But this offensive line is not good. Um, the penalties are a problem. Taylor Cornelius can run if he needs to, but you really don't want to see him doing that as much. I also thought that Cornelius is getting better at throwing on the run. Now he has to with that offensive line he's working behind. But, you know, this Oklahoma State team, I thought before the season they'd go 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five. They're looking more and more like that. And that win against Boise State is looking like a total aberration. And that's concerning as well. So I think Oklahoma State fans should be a little nervous. And I saw something from our friends at Pistols Firing Blog. I don't have it off the top of my head. But they gave some stats about Oklahoma State since 2016. And I believe the number was Oklahoma State is 12-6 and at home since 2016 as a double-digit favorite. Think about that. 12 and Not against the spread. Straight up, 12-6 and at home since 2016 as a double-digit favorite. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. And Mike Gundy, you know, hopefully he's nice to the media this week and isn't going to get too many prank phone calls on the uh, Big 12 teleconference. But uh, he's got some questions. I don't know if he's just bored or if this is just a one-year rebuild, you know, and they'll be back next year with Spencer Sanders. I don't know. Something does not feel right about that program. Uh, speaking about things not feeling right about a program, Let's talk about Kansas State on the road, losing to Baylor in embarrassing fashion, 37 to 34. And you look at, you know, that Kansas State team and what they did yesterday. I mean, this is anti Bill Snyder football. This is anti, this is Bill Snyder football at its absolute worst. Ton of penalties. Problems on defense, even special teams miscues. Isaiah Zuber uh, almost had a couple of turnovers on a couple of punt returns yesterday. That was horrific. That was horrible. Uh, and, and here's the problem, too. You know, Bill Snyder has told us now for the past couple of years that Sean Snyder, his son, is essentially the head coach and essentially running the program, hence why he thinks his son should get the job. Well, if this is your son as the head coach, he stinks, I'm sorry, this team is not playing Bill Snyder football anymore, as cliche as that sounds. They aren't. They've got a ton of penalties. Uh, they lose in the turnover battle yesterday, and they have special teams miscues. Three things that Bill Snyder always prided himself and his team on. Special team success, having less turnovers than your opponent, winning the turnover battle, and not having a lot of penalty yards. And they just don't do that anymore. They don't do it anymore at all. And it's, it's disappointing. I don't, you know, people are going to say I'm piling on Bill Snyder because I've been tough on him. No, I want to see Kansas State succeed. And I don't see how that is happening right now or moving forward under the Bill Snyder regime. This season, the season, do I want to coach this year? Do I not want to coach this year? It affects recruiting, which is tough enough at Kansas State. They have these two rookie coordinators and Andre Coleman and Blake Seiler, two guys who would be lucky to get coordinator positions in the group of five, but they got promoted because what hotshot coordinator wants to come to Kansas State when you don't know if your boss is going to be the head coach next year? Who wants to do that? So the loss of the coordinators is a big deal for Kansas State, and it's showing itself on the field right now. So Program's a mess. 
program's a total mess, and they're looking at a ninth place finish in the Big 12. And, you know, if they're lucky, another win or two. I think that's that's fair to say for this Kansas State team. They'll play close because they'll be tough, but I, you know, I, I don't see it. Now, Baylor gets a good win. We know Baylor's defense is not very good, um, but the offense is great. I like Jalen Hurd. You know, what I like a lot about Jalen Hurd is the fact that he is willing to play running back. He transfers to Baylor with the idea of he wants to be a wide receiver. He thinks it's better for his pro career. I respect that. But he's also realized he's a damn good running back. He's not being selfish. When Matt Rule puts him in there and needs him at the goal line or needs him to, you know, take the ball on a second and five in the backfield, he'll do it. I respect the hell out of him for that. And he's still got a few drops at wide receiver. I don't think this guy is an NFL wide receiver. Um, I think he can certainly play in the NFL if he's willing to do kind of that uh, play in the backfield, play in the slot, quasi wide receiver, tight end type role. He can do it, but he's got to be able and willing to run the ball. He is doing that, and I respect him for that. The Baylor offense is is very strong, and I like that side of the ball. The defense is bad. It is. But let's say this about Baylor. Let's be fair about this Baylor team right now, okay? They're 4-2, and two, and, you know, they've won the games they're supposed to win, and they've lost the games they're supposed to lose. I, I think that right now, with where Matt Rule is with this program— that's not a bad place to be. There's so many Baylor fans who are still bitching and moaning about the fact that this team is not what it was under Art Browse. Hey, guys, this is a major rebuild he's got in his hands. Between the defections, just resetting the program, guys leaving the program, this is a major reset that Matt Rule has on his hands and a rebuild. And they're a couple wins away from getting to a bowl game this year, which would be a huge success after the fact that, you know, they won one game last season. Uh, the, the Art Bryles crew has got to relax here. Now, it's not going to be easy to get to those five wins. They got through the easy part of their schedule here early on. But still, I mean, if this team has a chance to get to uh, to a bowl game after winning one game last year. That's a success. They go to, they got to go to Texas next week, then West Virginia, not easy. But you got Oklahoma State at home, a reeling team there. Iowa State on the road, um, which is winnable. TCU, which has taken a step back, and then Texas Tech. I mean, Baylor can pull off two wins there, I think, and that would be a massive step forward for for Matt Rule in year two. So let's take it easy on Matt Rule. I think he's doing a good job. But the stories of the day yesterday to recap, if you're joining us on Periscope Facebook Live, is the following. First off, Texas is back. I know people don't want to hear that, but they are back. They deserve to be called that they're back. Three top 25 wins, not an aberration, and they control their own destiny in the Big 12 Conference right now, which, um, you know, you could not say about Texas entering the middle of October the last several years. Texas is back. Tom Herman can't have a letdown game. He has too many of those throughout his career. He's got to avoid that now moving forward. Big 12 is an upheaval. With that OU loss, it's makes it more difficult for a Big 12 team to make the college football playoff, and here's also why. Texas, let's say they, basically Texas can't lose another game. You're not going to have a two-loss Big 12 team in the college football playoff, and Texas has that stinker against Maryland lingering over itself. Texas fans want to tell me, hey, that doesn't matter, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter in terms of winning a Big 12 championship, but it matters for making the college football playoff because there's no way in hell a two-loss team is getting into the college football playoff out of the Big 12. We know that's not happening. So 
if Texas had won that Maryland game, they'd have a chance for one slip up in the regular season and then a Big 12 conference championship win. Um, and now they can't do that. It just it can't happen. Brock Purdy, love the kid. He's storyline number two of the weekend, and he deserves a ton of praise. I got to believe Matt Campbell's going to go with him moving forward here uh, next week against West Virginia, which now has a lot more intrigue to it than it had you know a few days ago. And uh, also coming this weekend thinking, first off, Will Greer, his Heisman hopes went in the toilet yesterday. Three interceptions in the red zone. Should have covered that spread. Should have been up 42 zip at the half. So I look at that. Um, and also the fact that Tua Tugavailoa out of Alabama, he's got 18 touchdown passes and 25 incompletions this season. He's clearly the front runner. K-State's a mess. Baylor's in fine spot. Kansas still stinks. And uh, OU, Mike Stoops has got to start answering some questions because that defense is a total disaster. It's a mess. So there's your top stories of the Big 12 this weekend. Thank you guys for joining us on Periscope. Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. Please do share this as well. We appreciate that. Give us a share. Thank you for doing that. We'll also put this on iTunes as well. Give us a rating and review there. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. If you email me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And yes, pick up the Feinbaum t-shirt at heartlandcollegesports.com by clicking the little shop button at the top because we all know Paul Feinbaum is the absolute worst. Thanks for joining us, guys. Enjoy the NFL, and we will chat with you very soon here in Heartland College Sports.